From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. First Corinthians chapter 12. We have been in First Corinthians chapter 12 uh, looking at the, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, Paul will release those as unique abilities, really, is what he says. And so if we really consider what that means, it means that our Father wants us to succeed in the earth. And so he's released, in addition to the gift of the Holy Spirit, he's released unique and special abilities that we can walk in. I might say it this way, I'm not sure we're going to be able to succeed in our task without being able to walk in these. And so it's important that we understand what they are and how they function. And so that's what we've been looking at. We've looked at the first six so far, and we're going to look at the seventh today. The seventh today, for, for time's sake, uh, I'm not going to set it up. I'm not going to go through and read 1 Corinthians 12 and kind of give you the kind of the context. Um, you do have your Bibles, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're kind of dealing with verses 1 through 11 right now. So I just want to look at this seventh gift, which is he gives someone else the ability to know whether it is really the Spirit of God or another spirit that is speaking. Let's pray before we dive in. Holy Spirit, we invite right now, as we talk about the gifts that you release, we ask that you be on this time you'd lead us and that you'd guide us. You're the teacher. Lord, I I love what you've already done this morning. Love watching the kingdom released. Love watching signs and wonders happen. But we also want to be people that have a mooring that's established because we study your word and we love your scriptures. So would you be with us uh, for the next few minutes and bring revelation, bring the things to mind that we each need uniquely. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So he gives someone else the ability to know whether it is really the Spirit of God or another spirit that is speaking. So Paul's talking about these gifts, and really if we look at them, they're situation-based. What do I mean by that? It means like if I'm in the presence of somebody who's sick, I don't need to be crying out for the prophetic gift. I need to be crying out for healing, because that's what they need. If somebody needs a word from the Lord, me praying for healing for them probably isn't going to help them. So Paul will teach us later on in 1 Corinthians that we should desire whatever gift is best for the moment. So when we look at this particular gift, the ability to know whether it is really the Spirit of God or another spirit speaking, it causes me to ask the question, what kind of situation would I need to be in to request that gift? If I'm honest, when I first looked at all these gifts, this was probably the lowest on the radar for me. I was like, I don't even get it. This seems so obvious. But then as I studied it a little bit more, and I began to look at what the actual word means, it came into a little bit clearer light. So I want to share that with you this morning. The syntax of the phrase in the Greek literally means the distinguishing of spirits. And it means to make a judicial estimation of where the influence of a given situation is coming from. The root word carries the focus of deciding a dispute. It's important for us to note the original language in the Greek doesn't connect to the idea of speaking at all. It doesn't even communicate the idea of speaking. What's going on in the Greek is the issue of spiritual influence. So that's really the context that we're looking at. 
it would be dealing with what is influencing a situation where let's say it's foggy or it's unclear. The idea of settling a dispute means I'm in a given situation and I can't figure out what's motivating it. This is a gift that gives the ability to know what's actually driving the situation. Is it God or something else? So it's important that we look at the scriptures and ask, is there a place where we see this gift function? In Acts chapter 16, Paul is doing ministry, and Acts chapter 16 says this. One day we were going down to the place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, annoyed is really the idea in the Greek, that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Okay, so I want to look at this for a second, because I believe this is a function of this gift. You say, how do you say? Paul waits several days to act. Why? If you study it, if you Google that question, there's a plethora of ideas that come up. One of which is, she was good for business. She was creating, she was like a little marketing agent, creating a buzz around Paul's ministry. I fundamentally disagree. Here's why. At the root of Jesus' ministry is compassion. It is to relieve torment. It is to bring peace to ailment. So what that idea says is, what Paul's doing is saying, I know you're tormented by a demon, but it's beneficial for me, to, for you to be tormented, so I'm gonna leave you in your state. I just do not believe that's, that even tracks with the character of God. I think actually, and I'll tell you this, it's important that you know this, this is what I think is going on here. I bless you to have a different opinion. I can't prove it. It's just what I think's going on here. I think Paul encounters this girl. How many have ever been around seven, eight, nine-year-old little kids and would say they, they kind of typify at times as annoying? <laughs> so this girl comes alongside of them and she's, she's kind of annoying. She's not saying anything wrong. She's actually making a very truthful declaration. These are servants of the Most High God. They're showing you a way to be saved. He knows that she's in this, this trade of being able to tell people's futures. This is complete speculation. I think he's just backing off going, I don't really know what's going on here. She could just be annoying. She might have a birthing of the prophetic. And so he waits and he lets her hang out with them until he is sure. And he has a download from the Lord. He has discernment. That's, this is the word we're dealing with where he knows this is motivated by the enemy, not God. And then he deals with it and brings relief. That's my personal perspective on what it looks like. He had enough clear evidence to know it was the demonic. And so he deals with it. You see, Paul, for us to even look at this, we have to recognize that there is a spiritual realm. How many know there's a spirit realm? Holy Spirit is one of the influences in the spirit realm, Correct. Prince of the power of the air is one of the influencers of the spirit realm, correct? That's the devil, it's Satan, whatever your terminology is. There's a third influencer that we probably don't ever want to pay attention to, and that's really our own 
sin nature. And so we're always in a situation where these things are, are working towards influence in our lives. And I think there's situations that we're going to face where it's difficult to actually know what's driving it. You say, what do you mean? Okay, let me put it in real world modern t- terminology. Let's put it in your home. Let's put it in your living room. Husbands and wives, I know none of you ever argue or fight, but let's say just for, just for the conversation's sake, you have a moment where you're at an impasse in your marriage and you just cannot get past it. You know that moment where in, in your brain it just keeps ringing like they're so dumb, they're so dumb, they're so dumb. And that's all you, that is your perspective on what's wrong with the situation. Could I submit to you an idea that there are times where that could be motivated by the enemy? There are times where that could be motivated by the Holy Spirit? And there are times where the answer is, you're so dumb. It's your own appetite. But here's the concern. If I don't know how to access that information, I will mishandle that situation. Because if it is demonic, and here I am, men, let me talk to you for a second. You realize you function in headship in your homes. If it's demonic, your responsibility in that moment is to push pause, take authority over your house, and say, you know what, I am the gatekeeper that God put in this home. It's not allowed in this house, so in the name of Jesus, no. But you see, if it's the Holy Spirit who's trying to dial something up that you as a couple need to deal with, because he wants you to be better off on the end, so he's allowing that conflict to bring growth. If I think it's the enemy, I'll ignore it instead of embracing what God's brought. You see, if, I, if it's neither the enemy nor God, and it's just my own stubborn nature, instead of repenting and asking God to bring a cleansing in me, I'll fight the wrong battle. So it's important that we learn how to call out and cry out for this gift. It's important that we learn how to cry out for the Holy Spirit in a, in a situation where it's just unclear. Just to have the humility to say, Holy Spirit, it's so unclear right now. Would you give us wisdom to know what's driving, what's influencing this event? It's not just your homes, it's work. I'm positive there are people that are demon-possessed drivers. <laughs> you see, we have to learn to cry out for that gift. I really think it's that simple. I think that's what this gift looks like. Yeah, what's your question? Oh, absolutely. Internal influence. Yeah, great question. Let me repeat it for everybody in the back that can't hear. We're talking about external influences. Is it possible that this talks about internal influences and impulses as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my greatest concerns with the modern church is this issue. Some of us aren't aware. We came into the kingdom thinking, because I'm a believer now, every impulse is from God. And so we will, we will chase things that we should never have chased because we didn't have the discipline to ask the Lord, is this from you? I want it. It must be you. Wait, time out. If it doesn't line up with scripture, if it takes you into a pattern of sin, it is not God, period. I don't care how strongly you feel about it. I don't care how much you think that other person might be your soulmate. If it doesn't line up with the scriptures, it's sin. It's just that simple. And so this deals with external and internal influences. Fabulous question. So all week long when we're studying this, 
There was something going on inside of me that I couldn't figure it out. And I generally sleep like a baby on Saturday nights. I, make, I just go to bed early and I sleep well. I did not sleep last night. In fact, I woke up so irritable this morning. And then the stupid dog wanted to go out the moment I got up. And I'd already kind of woke up late because I'd been up all night. And I was just, my, my wife, she's like, babe, you okay? I'm like, no, I'm just angry and I need me time. And I was just, it was just stirring and I don't know how to explain it. That's not, that's not normal. I don't generally get up that way. I'm usually pretty mellow, get a cup of coffee, hang out with Jesus, I'm good for the day. But what's been dialing inside of me and I couldn't figure out was this issue of influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we would read these things and we would look at these unique giftings and we would probably, and I think we would err if we saw those as the main expressions of the Holy Spirit in our life because I actually believe that Paul writes almost all of this with an assumption. I want you to listen to Ephesians 2 real quick. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. So if we look at the way Paul deals with the church at large, he says, you used to live just like the rest of the world full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature. And we were under God's anger just like everyone else. This phrase, you used to live just like the rest of the world, following the passions and desires of your evil nature, it's just kind of stuck. We were studying this this week as we were looking at spiritual influencers in in our teaching team, and that verse came up because he's the prince of the power of the air, and I was trying to figure out how do I prove that the enemy's an influencer in our lives. Even though I know you all believe it, it's good that you have an address so you know it's biblical. But that phrase just stuck, and I couldn't settle my heart on it. And what I realized is that Paul is talking to the church about a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit, and he's making an assumption that we no longer follow the passions and desires of our evil nature. And what he's assuming is the church at large is living in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. That we're living lives that are so governed that we're carefully protecting the move of God in our life. And it caused a question to come up in me. Are we? Are we really living that way? You see, Paul will make some statements about this relationship with the Holy Spirit that we are to, these are actions that we are to do. The first one is he will say in Ephesians 5, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. This phrase, be filled, literally means to be being filled. It's it's a continuation. It's not a one-time event that was somewhere in my childhood. It's not a moment of time where where I became really dependent on God and, and he and he supercharged me with his spirit. No, it's a relational thing that says I am into I am to encounter the Holy Spirit regularly. I'm to keep encountering him. So there should be a growth metric in the expression of the Holy Spirit in my life. And he adds in in Galatians 5, he says, and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Since we derive our life from him, the old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. This idea of walking in step. Maybe you've had children with you and you've walked in the snow and they play this fun game where they they try to walk within your boot prints because they think it's fun to only take the steps you take. You see, really, that's the idea here in the Greek. It's this idea of being so connected to the Holy Spirit, that where he goes is where we go. Where he doesn't go, we don't go. This is what Paul will say. This is one of the actions that we are to take. We are to be those people that connect our lives to his steps at such a level that we will only go where he goes. And then there's these two other words that are very important for us to look at. He will say in Ephesians 4, one of the things you can't do is you can't grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. 
Do not bring sorrow. And all of a sudden, what Paul lands is we are in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I would say it this way. The native state of us as believers is to have the fire of God inside of us. But when we grieve, this word grieve means to cause a sense of loss. That the Holy Spirit has a sense of loss when we begin to partner with evil. And then the next word that Paul lands in 1 Thessalonians 5 is, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Keep away from every kind of evil. This term quench, it's a fire term. It means to extinguish. Maybe you've been out camping. Maybe you understand that when you go camping, one of the most important things is you gotta get fire because fire, it creates protection. It creates light. It creates warmth. You can cook on it. It's just necessary for life. But this extinguish word is the idea of intentionally diminishing its ability to breathe. It's the idea of throwing a wet blanket on a fire. It's the idea of throwing a bucket of water on a fire. And Paul will say, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And what that means is it's possible for you and I to quench and extinguish the fire of God in our lives. And it happens when we partner with evil, when we partner with sin. I want you to listen to Ephesians 5, 1 through 15. So follow God's example in everything you do. Because you're his dear children, live a life filled with love for others. Following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was a sweet perfume to him. So let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, you are now full of light from the Lord. And your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Be careful how you live. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. My concern for us this morning isn't really these gifts of the Spirit that are being released it's the baseline level of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Are we living in a way where we protect the fire of God? Maybe the better question is, are we walking in the power of an ungrieved Holy Spirit? And there might be a lot of areas for some of, some of us that we need to really look at and ask the question, am I partnering with sin? Am I allowing places that I know are scripturally wrong to exist in my life? Am I just openly willing to do my own thing even though I know it's not what the Holy Spirit wants? And then we wonder why we don't feel that intimate, deep connection with the Holy Spirit. You see, that intimate connection with the Holy Spirit is your native state. It's the thing He wants for you. But we have a part to play in it. When I choose to partner with sin, what I am saying to the Holy Spirit is I don't want your expression in my life. When I move towards purity and holiness, it's not because I want to be a good believer. It's because I'm protecting something. I'm saying to him, it's a living example of me saying, I so desperately want you in my life. I will govern the way I live. Let's stand this morning. Lord, we love you. We love, uh, love your presence. Love the strength of Scripture, even though at times it is so 
confrontational. Holy Spirit, would you be with us this week? Would you begin right now to unearth the places where we have partnered with sin, where we've not been sensitive to you? Lord, if there's areas of grief that we've caused you, areas where we are quenching your expression in our life, we just cry out for forgiveness right now and ask that today and throughout this week, you would expose those things and whisper to those things. We love you and we honor you. Thank you for your constant work to lead us to Jesus, to lead us into the kingdom, to lead us into the life that the Father wants for us. We bless you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. See you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.